have you all seen those uh, really simple black and white cartoon line drawings that look like they're from the 1950s and they're superimposed on a solid color background with some funny quotes on them. They're, they're on the internet. I saw one, uh, you could find them on some e-cards, I think is the little label that are, that are on these things. And I saw one with a little boy playing with a beach ball and the quote read this. It's true, money can't buy happiness, but I'd cheer up much faster while sitting poolside in a lounge chair outside of my oceanfront mansion. So they're, they're kind of funny. They, they have a whole bunch of them. You should check them out. But doesn't that express how we feel sometimes? Um, money can't buy joy. It never could. And, and we absolutely know that by now, hopefully. Uh, but it may actually lift our spirits a little bit. Haven't we all bought something in order to feel a little bit better about the day or about something going on in our lives? And that might work for a little while, but it's universally true that there are important things that money and possessions can't buy and can't fix. Aren't there some intangible things that you would actually give everything that you owned in order to get those intangible things? Now, I'd like to clarify something before we get into the meat of the message this morning. God wants us to really enjoy the blessings that he gives God wants us to enjoy things here on this earth. Enjoy every good thing, but never as your greatest joy. Never as your greatest joy. Saying that our joy should be in Christ alone can be misunderstood. Because doesn't God also give us material blessings that he wants us to enjoy? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we should enjoy those material blessings with gratitude. In the beginning, God created paradise for us to enjoy. God created us to relate to Him openly, to enjoy marriage, to enjoy fulfilling work with purpose and meaning. God gave us countless pleasures, but God's prohibition to eat, not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, made a statement about joy, a significant one. God governs joy. God governs joy. He sets the beautiful boundaries. There are a million things, a million blessings that God wants you to really, really enjoy. God is not against pleasure in any way, quite the opposite. God intends immense pleasure for us, but all governed by his design for pleasure. Paul said, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The glory of God is the governing principle for all pleasure. But what happens when we enjoy God's blessings more than we enjoy Him? Well, we become idolaters. Uh, We worship the stuff that he gives us instead of worshiping him. God wants you to enjoy what he gives you, but he wants you to enjoy him the most because that is what you were made for. So the point I'm trying to make before we get into the meat of of, uh, this topic of joy is that God wants us to enjoy his blessings a lot, a lot, but to enjoy them in a way that... He is magnified in our enjoyment of those pleasures. One verse to back this up and then we'll move on. Paul makes a point to Timothy about wealth in 1 Timothy 6.17. It goes like this. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty or proud, 
nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Now, wealth is an uncertain and an unstable pleasure. And Paul says not to set your hope in it, but instead to set your hope in God. But then Paul says that God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Paul is saying, enjoy what God gives to you. Enjoy those rich blessings, but never hope in them. Hope in God. So this Christmas, when you open your presents under the tree, uh, I think you should enjoy those good gifts for the glory of God. And enjoy them a lot. And enjoy the people that gave them to you. But enjoy them in a way that magnifies Jesus and reveals that He is the supreme treasure and gift of your life. That being said, let's, uh, let's dig into joy that survives when nothing else does. A joy that survives when nothing else does. We need to understand first that finding joy in God is a command. Did you know that God commands you to be most happy in Him? In fact, God promises you horrible things, terrible things, if you refuse to be most happy in Him. All you have to do is read Deuteronomy 28, and you'll be like, whoa, that's awful if I refuse to be happy in God. God commands our joy in Him. Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight is a command. That's an imperative. Psalm 32, 11, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Being glad in the Lord and rejoicing are both commands. And God is so serious about His command for you to be most happy in Him that He doesn't even give you any way out of that joy. Jesus said in Luke 6, 22 through 23, Blessed, or happy, are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. If people try to make your life miserable, I mean, they're going out of their way to ruin you because you are a Christian, doesn't that entitle us to hold on to a little bit of bitterness and resentment and anger? Aren't we entitled to just a little enjoyment in resentment against those people? He says... You're blessed or happy when these terrible things happen to you. Jesus says, rejoice in that day. Leap for joy when these terrible things happen to you. Be joyful when people go out of their way to try to ruin your life because you're a Christian. And notice why. In heaven, you'll be rewarded. You'll be rewarded. Eternal life with God powers joy in pain. 1 Peter 4.13 says, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. So rejoice now so that you can rejoice then when Jesus Christ comes back in His full glory. 
God is calling us, Jerusalem Church, to live out Psalm 102. Serve the Lord with gladness. Gladness. The gladness is necessary for the obedience. Now, when we're realistic with ourselves, there are some times we just don't feel very joyful in obeying God. And that's natural, but it's not right. True obedience is more than external conformity. Now, husbands, does your wife want you to say, I love you because that's what husbands are supposed to do? Or because you desire her and you want to express what is in your heart for her? Which does she want? That should be easy. I hope that's an easy question. If we don't feel it, we need to confess it and ask God to give it. If we don't feel it, we need to confess it and ask God to give it. God doesn't want you to obey Him. God wants you to joyfully obey Him. It's not duty or delight. It's delight throughout duty. So God commands us to find our greatest joy and pleasure in Him. Why? Because we're wired to enjoy the best, namely God, and because all other joys are brief and short-lived. First, God is better. God is better. You will not follow Jesus until you believe God is better than everything else. Otherwise, you will pursue your joy in something that you believe is better than God. Our love for God, isn't it often tested? How deep our love for God goes, how much our joy in God is really there when he asks us to give up something that we really love. We get tested. People reject God because they believe that something else is better than he is. So they're not going to enjoy him. They're going to enjoy this other thing because as they see fit, oh, God is much worse than this, and so I want this. They pursue their joy in something else. And if it's ever taken from them, what do they end up doing? They resent God for taking it what they love the most and valued above Him. And so as you wrestle with pleasure in your life, understand that God is not commanding you to delight in Him in order to rob you of pleasure, to take something from you. Somehow to say, oh, no, 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 don't do that because I just want you to sit and squirm for a while. That's not what's in the heart of God. He is there to restore to you your greatest joy and pleasure in Him. Now, I want the Bible to convince you. We're a Bible-believing church. And so it's not about what Jonathan has to say. It's about what God says through His Word. And so I want the Bible to convince you that God is better. God is better. Because if you believe that absolute truth that God is better, you'll find your greatest happiness in Him above everything else. You'll get what your heart craves. Let's start with Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. All of our deepest desires are fully satisfied in God. And in Him, preeminent pleasures that last forever. Are given to us. We're talking pleasure forever. Psalm 21 6. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. God has the ability to make you most blessed. 
God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So the lasting presence of God is also the lasting presence of joy. Joy. Psalm 43, 4. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. The literal rendering of that song lyric is actually to God the joy of my rejoicing. The joy, the gladness of my rejoicing. The songwriter is saying that God is the supreme center of his joy. God is his greatest joy. Psalm 73, 25. There is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Asaph is saying that of all the pleasures and delights of the earth, none of them compare to the delight and pleasure of knowing God, of God himself. What does King uh, David think about this? Psalm 4, verse 7, You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. The prosperity of grain and wine bring a certain level of joy. Absolutely. It's great. But David says that God's joy is better superior to enjoying prosperity. God is better. Jesus said in John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Well, Jesus is talking about his divine joy uh, being inside of his disciples and that their joy may actually be full joy. What other joys in your life can actually fill you up to that extent. And as I was preaching through this this morning before preaching here, it it made me think a lot of the external joys, they're all external. They're things we enjoy on the outside, but on the inside is the joy that Jesus gives that can't be taken from us and it dwells within us. That joy is in us, not external to us. I thought that was interesting. At the birth of Jesus in Luke 2.10, the angel spoke of good news of what? Great Joy. And at the resurrection of Jesus in Matthew 28, 8, the women left the tomb with fear and great joy. In 1 Peter 1, 8, joy in Christ is labeled inexpressible and filled with glory. Jesus awakens your heart to great joy. We're talking mega joy, inexpressible joy, a joy that you can't begin to put into words. And my question is, what joy in your life, what do you enjoy that gives you mega joy? What are you so jazzed about in your life that you can't even put it into words? Is it that kind of mega joy that God gives? I want you to see and experience a joy that is so indestructible, it endures anything. It endures anything. We need durable joy. Jesus says to his disciples in John 16, about his resurrection, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will be able to take your joy from you. Notice that the joy that comes from knowing the resurrected Jesus cannot be taken. It's not fickle. It's not here for a moment and gone the next because someone just took it away from you. You can't steal this kind of joy. It lasts, it endures, it gets through the toughest problems and issues in life. The problem with pursuing your greatest joy in anything else is that all of it can and probably will be taken from you at some point, making your joy in it volatile joy, volatile joy, unstable, 
Jesus is better because he can't be taken from you. Now, we've looked at a lot of verses, and I want you to see that God is better. I want you to, your, just your heart, to cry out, God is better for me. I want that to be true for you. That joy in God is better than joy in other stuff. And we have to believe that in order to be most happy. We have to believe that to be followers of Jesus, or we won't follow him. Um, sometimes when our family uh, sits down for dinner, I'll tease the kids a little bit, and then I'll, t- I'll put like one little noodle on, on the uh, serving plate, and then I'll just put it on their plate, like one noodle. And then I'll play it up and be like, what? Is that not enough for you? And they're like, we want some more, you know, and, and we'll have fun with it. Setting your joy on other stuff is essentially saying, yep, that one noodle, that's good enough for me. Mmm, and then you're done. And then you wonder, why am I still hungry? All right? Um, God offers us a full plate. God offers us abundant blessings, rich joy, delicious pleasures in him. And to settle for one lousy noodle is not going to fill us. It's not good enough for us. We were made for bigger joys. God is better. That is what saving faith is. It's coming to the realization that I want God above all this other stuff. I want God first and foremost. And if everything else is stripped away, at least I have him. That's what saving faith is. That's what trust in God is. And that is what helps us battle sin very practically in our lives. And and I've thought a lot about temptation. What helps you win over the fiercest temptations in your life? I think it is enjoying God more than the fleeting pleasures of sin. Joy motivates you to fight sin because you know you're fighting for more happiness Delight in God most, so when pornography looks really appealing, you will win because your greatest delight is to pursue your happiness in God, not in degrading airbrushed pictures. Delight in God most, and when greed for wealth becomes so strong in you, you just want to be rich, you win because you want God more than the riches. God is better. But that truth becomes so fuzzy to us. We just, we get confused about that and we believe the lie that sin is better. That it's actually going to fill you up. So we grab onto it and find out, time in and time out, it doesn't. And we are left disappointed and unsatisfied and still hungry. The world is filled with unsatisfied people who continue to chase after disappointing pleasures. Second, God commands us to find our greatest joy and pleasure in him because all the other joys of the world are so brief and short-lived. Worldly joy is always brief. Pick the top five things in your life that you enjoy and ask yourself this question, can they be gone tomorrow? And there are things in my life absolutely gone. They could be gone tomorrow and I won't have that anymore. I read about Reggie Brown, a Texas A&M football star who was drafted 17th overall in the 1996 NFL draft. Reggie played 32 games as a linebacker with the Detroit Lions, and then while assisting on a tackle, he suffered a spinal cord contusion in the last game of the 97 season, and his football career was done forever. Jordan Belfort was a multimillionaire stockbroker who lived 
a really lavish lifestyle. He had yachts, planes, partying. By the age of 25, he was making $250 million a year. He got busted by the feds for securities fraud and money laundering. The FBI seized everything, and he spent 22 months in prison. He lost it all. Now, it's easy for us to trust in things like our health, trust in things like our athleticism or money or whatever, but it all can change so quickly. Everything can change. And Habakkuk got it right. He showed how everything in life can go wrong, yet joy in God can still be there. Habakkuk 3.17, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Bad day. Habakkuk describes how quickly things can go wrong in our lives, and yet he says in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Joy in God is not susceptible to change because God never changes. Our salvation never changes. His promises never change. Every other joy is so brief, so pathetic, so changeable when compared to joy in God. And we all struggle with this. Our tastes for the world are strong. But God wants us to know That by his grace, he will weaken our tastes for the world. And he will strengthen our tastes for him. It's all sovereign grace. Joy is God's sovereign grace. You will never find true happiness until God opens your eyes to the joyful reality of his son, Jesus Christ. You just won't be happy. I promise you that. Your soul will never be stable until Jesus becomes the center of your joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, according to Paul, so only the Holy Spirit can produce true joy in you, that that true lasting joy that sometimes you encounter with other people, and you look and say, how are they so happy? And you find out they know Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that produces that in them. Joy is grace. Ezra 6.22 says, for the Lord had made them joyful. Nehemiah 12, 43 says, God had made them rejoice with great joy. Psalm 21, 6 declares, you make him glad with the joy of your presence. The psalm writer of Psalm 92, 4 readily admits God's sovereignty over his joy. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. God talks about his sovereign joy in Isaiah 56, 7. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. God says in Jeremiah 31, 13, I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. The truth is God produces the joy in us. Another way the Bible shows God's sovereignty over our joy is when believers plead to God for joy. They ask him, can you give me joy? That's because The writers of scripture knew God gives it. It's his sovereign gift. David in Psalm 51, 8 and 12 is an example. He's just come off of really bad time in his life. And he writes this, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You see, only God can restore joy. Only God can bring it back. 
Did you know that Moses wrote one of the Psalms? Psalm 90, verse 14, Moses prays to God, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. So Moses wants to be satisfied by God. Why? Well, he tells us in the rest of the verse that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Joy comes for you when you are most satisfied in God. Not only did the the writers of the Bible know that joy is God's sovereign gift, uh, they also asked for it. They pleaded for joy. When was the last time that you prayed for God to give you joy because you weren't experiencing it? When was the last time you prayed a prayer like this? God, please give me joy in my life. Help me to be most joyful in you, no matter what happens to me. Lead me to enjoy you and your salvation more than I enjoy the pleasures of sin. Grow in me a distaste for immorality and evil and replace my carnal desires with new desires for you. Direct my affections to what will yield me the greatest joy and pleasure in this life and the next. Can you pray that with sincerity? And so I've printed it in the bulletin outline. This week, you might want to just ponder the prayer and plead out to God that he gives you his sovereign joy. If you're like me, folks, when it gets down to it, you enjoy some things that you shouldn't. And you recognize that. And you say, why do I have a taste for this? Why do I enjoy this? I desire some really bad stuff. And I think you can say the same thing, probably. And there's no way to just turn that switch off and say, you know, by pure willpower, I'm not going to desire that today. And we set our mind, and then we, we, we fall again. And we say, why did I desire that? Why did I even go there? It's because God's grace needs to change our desires. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What do you think that means? That means he reworks your desires. He gives you new desires. He replaces your old desires that were carnal and fleshly with new desires that are in him. And so we have to be diligent to pray for this, to make good decisions, to to set in our heart that we will take joy in God alone, but we have to recognize that God produces the joy in us, and we have to trust him to do that. And at the same time, God's sovereign grace is at work in you because I think all of you should be able to, if you're a true Christian, to look back and you say, you know what, way back then I had a taste for this. But through the years, God just, I don't desire it anymore. I don't even really go there anymore. That's God's grace at work in you. He's given that change to you. And that is so wonderful that we can experience his grace. Stuff just no longer appeals anymore. That's true in my life. I hope it's true in yours. We're in process. God is weakening our desires for the world and he's increasing our desires for him. So keep in mind, joy is strength. Joy is strength. Nehemiah told us, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Strength to fight, strength to win, strength to grow. I wrote a letter to my dad uh, last week as he's recuperating from open heart surgery and uh, I included a verse that I found that struck me it was Proverbs 17:22. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. You see, joy heals. Joy heals people. When our spirit is crushed, our bones dry up, but when we are joyful in God, we heal. We heal. That's powerful. Joy works when plastic surgery doesn't work. 
Proverbs 15, 13, a glad heart makes a cheerful face. Joy does what Botox can't. Amen? But by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. Sometimes people wear pain on their face. You look into their eyes and, and, and something just hits you that you're like, they're not happy. I can see it. I can see it in their face. The joy of God puts vitality back into the eyes. They burn and shine with joy. Joy changes the countenance. Joy is so powerful, it makes a visible difference in your life. People can just tell. The joy of God in you is strength. Here are a few lines from the letter I wrote my dad. Be tough, dad, so you can be happy in God. True joy is not for the faint of heart, so press on to make that joy yours. God sustains you. God sovereignly keeps you. It is important that your heart heals and mends, but it is infinitely more important that your heart is happy in God. Be diligent to ensure your earthly heart does not drown out the joy of your heavenly heart. Go to work. Go to work, Jerusalem church, to be joyful in God. Go to work. So we have a responsibility to pursue joy in God by faith, and that takes commitment. You can't just say, oh, I hope I'm happy this week. You have to commit to happiness. You have to work for happiness and put yourself in the way of God's grace to open up a flood of joy in your life. Put yourself in the way of God's grace. Jump out in front of the grace bus. Amen? Boom! Be hit by it. All right. Too vivid for a snowy Sunday morning, perhaps. Very bloody imagery. All right. Do hard things to increase your joy. Eight quick points. Do hard things to increase your joy. You've got to be diligent and tough. Number one, trust in Christ as your righteousness and live righteously. Psalm 68.3 says, But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. To be righteous, you need the righteousness of Jesus Christ given to you by faith. It's called imputed righteousness. Your sin is imputed to Christ. His righteousness is imputed to you. And you need that to be glad. So you need to trust Christ for joy. But gladness is also yours if you make a commitment to live a righteous life. There are some things you have to give up to be truly happy. Give them up. Make the tough decision. Number two, have an upright heart. Psalm 97, 11, light is sown for the righteous and joy for the upright in heart. If your heart is upright, if it is straight before God, God will scatter joy on your life like a farmer scatters seed. He will bless you with joy if you have an upright heart. Number three, hope in God. Proverbs 10, 28, the hope of the righteous brings joy. Like a, a waiter would bring you a drink, hope in God brings joy. Number four, be meek. Isaiah 29, 19, the meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord. Isn't that great? Fresh joy. It's like biting into a, a fresh piece of fruit or smelling freshly cut flowers. It's just like a burst of joy. But you have to be humble to get that kind of joy. Number five, work hard and faithfully for God. Matthew 25, 21, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
If you are faithful to give everything that you are, your hard work, your gifts, your talents, your money, your skills, you're just going to give it all in hard work to be faithful for God, you will be rewarded incredible eternal joy. You'll get it. It will be good. But the investment is now. Number six, be generous and give your money away. 2 Corinthians 8.2, awesome passage, study it. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, they've got enough joy to go around, is huge, and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. These people are impoverished. They don't have much. And yet, they are so happy in God, they're giving like crazy. I just love God so much, I'm, just, I'm giving away what I have. Display your joy in God through giving to God's mission. To God's mission. Number six, consider your trials joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, James says, when you meet trials of various kinds. So not only should we be joyful during our trials, but we should count our trials as part of the joy that we have to face. And number eight, delight in the Bible. The Bible is really, really good. We should pay attention to it. We should delight in it. I wonder how many of you have very small amounts of joy in your life because you're totally ignoring the Bible. You don't pick it up. You don't read it. You don't study it. You don't ponder it. And so your joy might be about this thick when the people who are flooding their lives with Scripture, are, they're just overcome with God's abundant goodness and joy. I think there's a direct correlation. Psalm 119, 111. That's a long chapter. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. The joy of my heart. Can you say that? The Bible is the joy of my heart, joy of my life. Jeremiah, the prophet, got a little weird and extreme on this. He said, your words were found, and I ate them. I just crumpled it up and ate them. Hope I'm getting wild now. I ate them, and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Open your Bibles during the week, folks. You have to, to be joyful. Uh, Study it for joy in your life. And I think that you'll find that as you immerse yourself in Scripture, your joy is going to start climbing. It's going to start building. You're going to start seeing the world in a different way. Audrey Hepburn, a lot could be said about Audrey. Uh, She said on one occasion, the most important thing is to enjoy your life, to be happy It's all that matters. I actually agree with her. (laughs) But I would add some things. I think she missed some clarifying points. Here is how I would say her quote. The most important thing is to enjoy God in your life. To be happy in Him. It's all that matters. It's all that matters. Being joyful in God is the only thing that matters in your life. Get it. Pursue it. Work for it. Ask for it. Allow God's grace to pour over you with joy. I hope that you receive the most important thing this Christmas. What your heart really craves, I hope that you get it. Joy in God. Let's pray. Father, we are very, very thankful for all of your goodness to us and for blessing Jerusalem Church. And our prayer is simple this morning. Would you give us profound and deep and lasting, and abundant joy in your Son, Jesus Christ.
In his name we pray. Amen.